watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes, comes the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're going to take a look at three movies, XX, Fist Fight, and A Cure for Wellness. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason? There's somebody in the room. <laughs> um, I'm glad you see him too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so guys, we have a special guest this week. We have uh, somebody who has been a very active and supportive listener of the show for uh, almost since its inception, I'd say. Um he is an accomplished writer. He wrote the movie GBF, the amazing, amazing comedy GBF. He uh, wrote on the groundbreaking MTV comedy series Faking It. And just yesterday, his latest project was announced, which is a TV adaptation of the movie Jawbreaker. What? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the binge, George Northey. Hi. Welcome. Oh my gosh, this feels like I'm like walking down the street, walking my dog. When I'm normally listening to you two, and you're in either of my ear, but you're on either side of me right now, and it's so weird. I love it. <laughs> um, but I am, yeah, I think I am I'm an original first episode fan of the show, so oh, yeah. I'm, a wow. theme, I'm a theme song originalist. Oh. I, I, I enjoy the original. I love your new one, but I love the original acapella. Um, are you going um, to ask us that. to do I that? will ask you to do it. You don't have to do it on, you know later mm. and um yeah i love it and i feel like uh you guys have gotten me through the trump the trump stuff right. you know well, like you know we for, all we're in together well, in that's the, over now right yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah as of as of the press conference today <laughs> yeah. in the lead up and you know in the lead up i kind of neglected all my non-political podcasts mm. and mm. i was like mm-hmm. i gotta listen to all my they all went daily you know yeah. and then oh, i was yeah. like gotta listen to them all or else she's mm-hmm. not gonna win mm-hmm. didn't work out <laughs> no. but then in the magical after- you did thinking, your part though magical yeah, podcast yeah thinking. i did my 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 thing and then you did in the aftermath i was just like okay i need to stop with some of the political you know i i have, I have a couple but i sure brought the binge back into my life and some mm. other of the of our the less uh traumatizing things <laughs> <laughs> so it's been nice uh, you know, we uh, we try to uh, you know be political when we feel like it's it's salient, and and but we don't want to overdo it. No, but it's our responsibility to talk about the world we live in because we're talking about art, and that's what art does. That's yeah, true. Isn't, isn't that right? Definitely has affected the way we watch movies and yes. the way we um, can tolerate each other. Mm-hmm. It's getting more and more difficult <laughs> every time. Um, now but George can feel it in the room. I can, yeah, I sense it. Yeah. <laughs> All those claw marks on the wall where Jason's always trying to get out. Uh, so, George, what can you tell us about Jawbreaker, the TV show? Mm, what can I tell you? Okay, so... It's kind of fun because uh, Darren uh, Stein, who's my good friend, and he, uh, I met him when he directed my movie GBF, and then we just became like good friends, and we just had so much fun collaborating on that. We've always wanted to do something together, but we hadn't really figured it out what we would do, and and our we share an agent, and he's been pressuring Darren to like, oh, you got to figure out a way to do Dropbreaker the series, like mm-hmm. everyone's buying like reboots, you know, and right. 90s is very in right now. Mm-hmm. And we were like just having dinner and drinking margaritas and we started talking about it and I, I pitched him a couple thoughts and like what I would do. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, you want to do it together and just 
try to do this? And I was like, cool, yeah, why not? So we met up a couple, you know, we had a couple different directions we went in and we realized we really didn't want to go teen because uh, uh, just teen stuff isn't really selling right now. It's mm-hmm. kind of cynical, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's not, a, there's not really a big market for it. Interesting. And, um, and also just like it's been, you know, it's been done. So it's like we've already, yeah. he's already done the teen version. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to age it up and uh, play in like a older world. And we kind of came to a realization that uh, older, you know, 30 something women often act like teenagers anyway. Absolutely. So you can kind of <laughs> do a similar. Spoken s- like a true gay man. Yeah. <laughs> or like, and, and men, of course. We, we all we all act like teenagers. That was a very high school girl thing to say, Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so we kind of brought a, came up with a whole new kind of story that has a similar, a similar theme, a similar inciting incident, but it's a new, new characters, new story. And it'll just kind of like unfold like, like a big, if the, if the show goes, goes forward, it's just a script right now, but mm-hmm. if it goes forward, it'll unfold like a big uh, season long movie of hijinks and cover ups and makeovers and camp <laughs> lots of camp and color and, Amazing. and all everything we want to keep true to everything the movie was which was mm-hmm. darren's twisted voice and and mm-hmm. combined with some of my voice and so we're really excited so it could be really cool so were you a fan of jawbreaker the movie before working with darren absolutely i remember because it was funny when i wrote gbf there's a moment where i wanted to like do an homage to like every slow-mo walk in mm. every high school movie mm-hmm. and i truly remember like Jawbreaker is the original slow-mo walk. Absolutely. Uh, and, oh, definitely. And like, um, so I just kind of remember that moment. And I remember, I think I rented it, you know, mm-hmm. on VHS mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when I was like 16. Yeah. Watched it in the basement. Felt weird things <laughs> during different scenes. <laughs> um, yeah. But a lot of people our age, I feel like, have been traumatized and aroused by that movie. So um, <laughs> Absolutely. So you're so, proud to carry that legacy forward. Yeah. And like, I, we rewatched it together. And it was, um, so I was like, oh, I was like, Darren, this was fucked up. I watched this when I was 16. <laughs> and, I, and so, like, it was funny. We were, like, talking uh, without having watched it. And then we mm. watched it together. I was like, I was like, something's not working. Like, mm. I'm not, it, and neither of us were like, this This isn't working. Like, and we sat down and we rewatched it. And mm-hmm. they were like, oh, we need to go way further, <laughs> you know, and, twi- and mm-hmm. twisted and dark. But also yeah. this candy colored and darkness is like the fun of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're really trying to bring that to it. So uh, when you watch Jawbreaker with Darren, is he able to watch it in silence? Um, no, he'll he'll add a little little director's commentary, yeah. which is great, which is always really fun. I mean, in person director's commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. could be better. Exactly. Like he'll give a little like side side story, mm-hmm. and, and it, that's always really fun. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really cool watching it with him, and uh, uh, it was cool. Are there any uh, reboots that you think have been especially well done that you sort of look to as inspiration? Well, we pitched, when we went and pitched it, we kind of t- talked about Fargo a lot, mm-hmm. just in that. Yeah. Because we're going with that, all the thematics, especially the first season of Fargo has the, all the themes and even like looks like threads have been pulled directly from it. And like you're like, oh, that's that person, that's that person, but it's yeah. different. Yeah. So we kind of pitch that as kind of our inspiration but obviously a very different tone but yeah. mm-hmm. but the way that that captured the we had said like the macabre snowy world of fargo was translated so well into the tv series we said we want to mm-hmm. try to do that with jawbreaker so all of the kind of kind of similar story beats in a different world yeah with the same tone love it yeah. uh 
Why do you think teen stuff isn't selling, having worked on two very teen-focused projects so far? Well, I think it's more about um, what t- how like, young people watch TV. Mm. People, they haven't really cracked how to, like, get those eyeballs again, yeah. you know? Mm. So it's kind of becoming a thing where um, no one wants to do teen stuff because teenagers watch YouTube, you know? Right. Hmm. Thanks a lot. I mean, sorry. <laughs> oh, you can edit that out. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. She loves PewDiePie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. No, um... It's, a hard, so, it's been a hard week. Yeah. I think... Well, I mean, like, Riverdale's out, and, like, I don't yeah. think oh, it right? did, mm-hmm. I, I really liked it, but it didn't do super well. Like, it's just mm. not... They're not going to have the live numbers that mm-hmm. TV programmers still, like, rely on. Yeah. And they haven't figured out a way to, like, say, but it's doing really well on Netflix. It's doing right. really well when we sell it over... They have to figure out ways to the kind of... The outdated models are still yeah, kind of... they're still, like... Yeah, the cart leading the horse. Yeah, and MTV, mm-hmm. love them, but, um, yeah, they still need to figure out a way to... Yeah. Uh, get the the teenage viewership or like find ways to because we we were crazy big on Twitter you know like mm-hmm. like oh, faking yeah. it was like huge huge on the internet and like we would get messages from world pe- people all over the world mm-hmm. I'm in Croatia and I just watched the show last night which wow. would have premiered and we're like obviously you did not watch it <laughs> legally but um, <laughs> that's okay but yeah. like but you know they had to figure out a way to like you know. Uh, make it like global basically because mm-hmm. if kids if young people can't get it immediately they're just gonna steal it you know yep. right oh, so yeah. it's kind of like one of those things where i think companies and we need to figure out ways to kind of yeah. make it everything available instantly everywhere mm. and, in the meantime, and get those eyeballs you know yeah and in the meantime just appeal to people our age yeah. that grew up <laughs> exactly uh, when you didn't ha- have options like just taking everything offline mm-hmm. yeah uh, did you watch Pretty Vicious, the MTV show? The Is that one what it's called? Sweet yeah. Vicious. Sweet Vicious. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Pretty Little Liars. You were Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. Um, yeah. My friend Jared wrote on it, and uh, yeah, um, I really liked it. Yeah. I was, yeah. I hear it's still on the bubble. I hope it yeah. makes it. It's so good. It got. It got. Yeah. I mean, like uh, obviously MTV's having struggling with the ratings, it is, but it it's gotten so much rev- great yeah. reviews, and it's about such an interesting, great uh, subject, and it's mm-hmm. doing really well with all that. So I hope uh, it does get uh, another season. Yes. I hope so too. Now on to more important things. What's your favorite binge episode? Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kid, I'm kid. I, I probably do have one, and <laughs> it was probably when like you guys took super umbrage with something like together and like yes. took it down. Was it though? I mean, like it's so rare that we get to do that <laughs> yeah. because you know Rebecca needs to see the movies. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> no. Probably, I mean, thirteen hours may have been one of our finest moments. Yes, because that we were, was a we really were both, good one. We were both pitched up kind of so evenly. angry. Mm-hmm. Talked about it a couple of times. <laughs> yes, we keep coming back to it, yeah. and uh, and then the and then I ended up giving it consumed moderation, which yeah, is a, a lingering sticking oh, point. Oh yeah, was that? Because I was really like, weird. A, I'm like, it's an incredibly well done action movie. It's just the the appallingness of it is purely political. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but Rebecca is more of a she's a more principled reviewer than Definitely. I am, and person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Um, you you got to watch one of the movies that we're going to review this week. I did. I watched. I just watched mm-hmm. XX. Am XX. I recalling it? Sure. Yeah. Exciting to call it XX. It. Um, not to be confused with Triple X. Right. Or the other XX movie. There's like another XX action movie. Is there? Out. Yeah. Weird. I know. It's weird. Find new letters, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, XX is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Four female filmmakers present four horrific tales of terror. The Box, Birthday Party, Don't Fall, and Her Only Living Son. 
What's in the box? Present. Can I see? Danny, stop being so nosy. It's okay. I don't think anyone's been up here in a really long time. Maybe it's cursed. Your son tore my daughter's fingernails off. You're not going to punish him? Listen, you gotta eat something. It's been three days, buddy. Not hungry. Something's happening to Andy. <gasps> Something just terrible. So we're starting off with one we've all seen. Yay. Yay. All downhill from here. Yep. So XX uh, is a horror anthology, which is a, which is more and more of a thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't really see any other genre done as anthology film. Right. Um, minus, God, what was that one? Like the Paris Jatem, New York I Love You series? Oh, yeah. Well, City. That's like travel porn. So, so horror <laughs> and travelogues are done right. in anthology films. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, and then was what was that Lindsay Lohan um, movie with Michelle Rodriguez too, where she it was like a series of they're like vignette based films, um, and there are ensemble films, but right. but in terms of actual just a series of short films just sort of presented mm-hmm. sequentially, horror and travelogue mm-hmm. seem to be uh, <laughs> uh, what is it about horror that we think that these stories can just be told really succinctly mm. because this movie potentially could challenge that idea that you could successfully and succinctly tell a horror story. (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe it's about, um, well, I think horror shorts are a big thing just Mm -hmm. by themselves. So Mm -hmm. people are just slapping them together to create a thing, you know? Right. It's already a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, we just slap a couple together and call it a movie. Yeah, exactly. So in this film, uh, it was uh, commissioned by a producer who originally had some much bigger names on board than what what we have in this final product. Um, when you look up the original um, announcement for it, it mentions Mary Heron oh, right. and Jennifer Lynch, mm-hmm. um, and they are not here. <laughs> they did not. Uh, they did not actually end up with uh, pieces in this film. Um, so instead, uh, we have one fairly accomplished filmmaker, Karan Kasama. Mm-hmm. Uh, whose film The Imitation we loved definitely made it on our best of 2016 list. I agreed with you both. It was okay. one of my best of the year as well. And, and living in LA, I can imagine yeah. that, oh, that was. I, I, good story. I, <laughs> I watched it. Um, I was dog sitting at Darren Stein's house, and mm-hmm. he lives in the hills in one oh. of those houses, like a total mm-hmm. murder house, beautiful house. Yeah, the view from but, his back patio yeah, is pretty much the same exactly as the view at the end of the movie. Exactly the same view yeah. of like. Oh my god. The end. Mm-hmm. So, and oh, and the electricity went out. Oh no! That <laughs> night too. Oh my so god. it was. I was like, why did I do this to myself? But yeah, it was a great movie, and I thought it was one of the best of the year. Oh, so good. And so excited to see uh, that she had a short in this film, that she's keeping active. Um, And then we have uh, probably the biggest headline getter out of this is that Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent, Mm -hmm. uh, directs one of the shorts uh, called The Birthday Party. And the other two uh, filmmakers uh, have, have only done horror shorts. Okay. Um, possibly because no studio has hired them um, to direct a full feature, mm-hmm. uh, which speaks to a larger problem. Mm-hmm. Um, have we all seen the report that the Equal Opportunity or um, the Equal Employment uh, Opportunity Council is currently uh, allegedly um, doing a settlement oh, with wow. the major studios over what they revealed in their um, their study to be systemic discrimination against female directors and their hiring practices? No. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Deadline just had a whole thing on it. 
Yeah, I think I've, I think it's a big problem, and also I think executives can be you know they want diversity they always say they do mm-hmm. and then they they just fall back like they get scared at the last minute a lot of times or they they have they're like well there's these three females we like mm-hmm. you know and we go back to them over and over and over again and the same thing with any minority and it's like mm-hmm. they don't they don't want to try anything new like you know they just kind of rely on the, right, the, the tried thing. and true and they're yeah. like well Sorry, the other the three dire- female directors we go to are busy, so we can't go anywhere. You know, like so. I think it's a kind of a, a mix of like they're like, well, we tried, you know, but mm-hmm. they're not really right. They're doing like, it. yeah, they're like, we say that this is something we really care about, yeah, uh, yeah. But when the rubber hits the road, and when they're doing financing and worrying about the bottom line, they're like, let's just get someone who looks like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so hats off to XX in concept alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of these directors, they were not um, given any sort of um, guidance about what their shorts should be about thematically. They were just all set off with their budgets to make a short with a certain length requirement. That was the only thing that they had as a specification. Hmm. And it shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're definitely very all very different. Yes, just like women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> George and I are going to be doing a lot of what of what we've termed gay splaining. Yes. Oh, great. So we're going to gay mm-hmm. we're going to gay splay uh, female culture to Rebecca. Please do tell me more about how women are. We will. We, we will. So Don't much. worry. Yeah. We we've done a lot of reading on this. <laughs> uh, so uh, so in, in in one funny point that you could take from the fact that the four resulting films are so disparate is that just having female directors female directors is not a theme right Uh, (laughs) and and, yeah even horror like there weren't i wouldn't even call some of them horror really yeah like the i didn't think the birthday party i thought it was more of a satire yes you know yeah the birthday party is annie clark's and it is it's a black comedy yeah uh you know it deals with a death Mm -hmm. and it's kind of morbid um, yeah. But not much more. I mean, it even has it harkens back to Jawbreaker in a sense. Yeah, mm. totally. Uh, the co- yeah, I love the styling. Like it was a kind mm. of like that same out of time yes. feel, where uh-huh. it was like, is it the fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. or yeah. is it now? The colors, the colors. It was. It was and, yeah. uh, it was the La La Land of this movie, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> It'll be very and the way they used I mean, the soundtrack was the funniest part almost because it was mm. such a dramatic, yeah, frightening. Drama she, stings. She did the music for that yeah, as well. Yeah, Annie Clark did yeah. the music as well. So that was like, they almost used it to, for comedic effect, where it was like a crazy dramatic <laughs> sting in certain moments where you weren't expecting it. Yes. And that was kind of the fun of it. Yeah. It's uh, it's also, it's a film where, so as we were watching it, George, you were saying, you were like, is this meant to be funny or is this meant to be scary? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a fun one. And I, I yeah. it, it I, I don't know if I would call it horror though, but yeah, but yeah, that's okay. Because there's no, uh, yeah, it's 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 just like a morbid comedy, mm-hmm. and then it has a punchline at the end where they reveal the full title, of, oh, right. of the short. So <laughs> yes. that's when you know beyond a doubt that it is meant to be a comedy. Totally. It also stars the biggest star uh, of any of these shorts in Melanie Linsky, the one and only, the great, the iconic. Loved her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and she uh, she delivers the goods. Yeah, totally. She is fantastic. So in the basic premise of the birthday party is it's about a woman who uh, wakes up uh, with not much time to go before she has to have a birthday party of her daughter and discovers that her husband has arrived home (laughs) late from business trip and accidentally mixed booze and pills and died. And now she must figure out what to do with the body as guests begin to arrive for her child's birthday party. 
And uh, so, yeah, so it's like a social satire. Hail as time. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, it's really well done. It, and it doesn't just quite jive with the other films. Right. But one way it does, though, is that three out of the four shorts are about mothers. Are about mothers. Oh, yes. And aren't two about birthday parties? Um, the last one. Oh, yeah, the last one's oh, also. Yeah, it's his uh-huh. birthday. Yeah, you're it's right. his birthday. So, yeah, so three of the four are about sort of anxious mothers. Um, who are, uh, you know, two of whom are very, very concerned about their children mm-hmm. and the damage <laughs> that's wrought by their sons in particular. Uh, and then, yeah, so there's, and then there's, <laughs> there's one that is the complete sore thumb of the bunch, uh, which is Don't Fall, uh, which is directed by Roxanne Benjamin, which is just a creature feature. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. totally just like, yeah, just like a basic... Kids and kids, kids going hiking. camping, right? It could have been sort of like a genre parody episode of You're the Worst. Totally, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it stars uh, Brita Wool, uh, who played Faith on Unreal season one, who I love, and also Angela Trimber, who we love, who is in the Final Girls. One of the oh, she you know, was the star of that movie. The star, she stole it. The star, loved her. The star of the movie. Uh, and uh, in this short, it is about uh, four, uh, I guess, 30-ish folks who go hiking and then sort of happen upon some weird cave drawings and then scary shit happens as a result. Uh, and, uh, and you know, it's it's by far, it's I mean, it's 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 the most fun horror of, yeah. mm-hmm. of, of the four. Um, with the clearest message of don't go hiking. Yeah. yeah. That we can all get on board with. Yeah, totally. Exactly. You having just returned from your, your torturous Tahoe trip, especially uh, related don't. to you, like, just don't go into nature. Don't listen to it. Don't. don't. White nonsense. <laughs> don't do it. Absolute white nonsense. Uh, so, uh, and then it's bookended by two extremely somber uh, shorts about, um, you know, sort of grief-stricken mothers who are terrified of their sons and what's happening to their sons. Yeah. Um, the first is called The Box. And it's directed by Rebecca. What's her name? Oh, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> oh, man, you guys. Giovanna Vukovic. Oh, no. Oh, Giovanna. Yeah, Giovanna. that's great. Um, it's, it's, some might say it's the weakest of the four. What's interesting is I thought it was the most interesting idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Because, I You're mean, like, what's happening? It's basically like her son stops eating, and mm-hmm. that's the horror of it. Like, and it leads into more stuff, but yeah. that's how it starts. Yeah. And it's such an interesting, like, that's a horror that I've never seen before. Yeah, you know, right. The idea of like that being slowly like progressing and becoming mm. more and more stressful is really interesting. Yeah. Um, there's a weird kind of dream sequence I didn't understand. I thought was the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, that's the twist. And then it suddenly like was not. And then it was a dream, but they didn't really make it clear that it was a dream. There's no wake up. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what? And then yeah. I was like, oh. So Although it kind of felt like an alternate ending almost. Like it yeah, could have ended right there. And then I would, it would have like, actually oh. been, it would have been way more satisfactory yeah, if it had ended like... <laughs> there. Because uh, it says it's a striking, it's the imagery in this dream sequence is yeah. very memorable. Totally. And it's beautifully done. And it ends even with just a sort of a twist in facial expression right at the very end that would have been a tremendous ending mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. But it goes on and then it ends very lamely. Yeah. Very lamely. And it kind of undoes a lot of the goodwill because it's—I mean—it's very elegantly filmed mm-hmm. um, and well acted and um, and intriguing. But then it just kind of like goes like at the end, yeah. Which is a struggle with short because, like you know, like finding a satisfactory mm-hmm. ending for a short film is like 
for a short story or anything yeah. else where it just needs to, you know, it's not going to have like a big plot whammy at the end. Yeah. So it's going to be like, you know, it's just end on a note where it just like, you know, it's like thought provoking or something. And this one didn't quite. Ooh. But I mean, I would say like each of these are 20 minutes, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a pilot, you know, mm-hmm. so like oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's one episode of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so, I watch that TV show. Like hell of a pilot. Yeah. So like, mm. I think like that's the challenge of like, but, but, you know, TV we in TV are doing it all the time. No, um, you know, like it's, I don't think, I think it's, it's definitely possible to give a complete story in mm. 20 minutes for sure. And it's yeah. done all the time. Yeah. Uh, so the final short is the one that George, I think you were the most excited for. Yes. Well, I mean, because of, because Ka- of Karin. Karin yeah. Kasama. Yes, yes. Uh, her only living son is the name of the short. And um, it is about a, a, a mother who is, um, as her, her only living son is turning 18 uh, she begins to uh, observe sort of dark behavior in him, and uh, and this starts to sort of learn perhaps new revelations about um, the sort of core of his identity. Uh, Rosemary's Baby type mm-hmm. vibe here totally. and there. Um, how did you feel about that short? I really liked uh, most of it. I thought some of it kind of you know didn't it didn't really get fully there for me mm-hmm. and like some of the like scary bits like some prosthesis stuff <laughs> was a little silly <laughs> um but i liked the acting and I, the direction was really good um but yeah i mean it didn't f- I, I didn't it was no invitation <laughs> mm, no 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 it was not uh it was uh the lead actress is played by a, a young francis conroy lookalike absolutely <laughs> yes uh, who, definitely who is who is tremendous um, she is tasked with delivering a very lengthy monologue in extremely delicate situation in mm-hmm. the final scene of the film, and she nails it. No, she's great. She I've finds the exact right tone. Yeah, her name is like Christina Kirk, I believe. I looked her up, yeah. and I was like, I do not remember. She's in a lot of sitcoms. I, I just yeah. watched her in that the pilot for Powerless. Oh. She's like, she plays like the mean office lady a lot. <laughs> like that's her kind of thing. <laughs> Um, work but, it, yeah, so. work it. Uh, and the final gay, and the final gay, yes, and Mike Doyle from the invitation, aka <laughs> the final gay from the invitation. Uh, and interstitial between all these shorts yes. are uh, some Victorian stop motion animation of scary doll faces and weird hands and mm-hmm. walking houses. Always love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Bizarro uh, Anomalisa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, it doesn't doesn't tie into no. the nope. other films. They kind of each represent them a little bit. Uh, there's a box, I think, when the box was introduced. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. It's like there's, you know, like there's, a, that, yeah. there's a box. Yeah. <laughs> there's a shape. <laughs> it's called a shape. So, uh, and, and also just one weird um, sort of uh, maybe nitpicky note. They have the title for each short shown in the aesthetic of like the title sequence for the film before each one starts and then each film then repeats the title in its mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. title uh sequence uh which is just why yeah mm-hmm. it just makes it seem sloppy it just makes it like did you guys not talk about the, did you actually watch the shorts and you right. just like <laughs> did you, was it too, was it too much just like you know package it back in there um, well, the day when they all show up with like a, a movie about mothers, and they probably had that mm-hmm. awkward conversation, right. like, "Oh, we should have talked <laughs> about this before we went ahead and filmed these." We should have gone. The all, one all I did one. really enjoy. The one thing I really loved about the the fall was the their title treatment was really cool. It kind of it was a little Stranger Things. Don't but, fall, yeah. yeah, or don't fall, yeah. Did I say don't fail? The fall, the fall, don't fall. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. It's very cool the way yeah. the titles come I up like on that, that one. one. And uh, yeah, I mean that one. I, I think that one would make. Okay, so if you had to pick one of these four 
to watch a feature film version of, what would you pick? Ooh. Ooh. Mm. The box. Really? Yeah. I kind of think so, too, because I think it was the most, like... It would be very different, mm-hmm. but I want an I want I wanted answers, you know. Like, I, and I didn't get them. Um, but maybe the feature would give me some answers, you know. Yeah, yeah it's true because it does feel like it, it does kind of cut off right when you're like, okay, cool. So now she's going to get answers, and then it just ends. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're like, yeah, I would like more of that story, please. So yeah, yeah. it would be funny if it actually was like just like her failed pilot. Yeah, yeah. It she just, it's like, like the Mulholland Drive. Yeah, of, uh, it's like Mulholland Drive. Like, in like they just yeah. open the blue box, and then it's like the movie's over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I I do want to know the end of that story, but I almost would like to see. I think Don't Fall would be the most fun movie. Yeah. Um, to you know, to stretch it out, which I mean, in the in the with the body count in the compressed time in the short, there's really not much left to do. Right. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, just watching this sort of like the way that it had a sense of humor and it was just lively, you know, right. just the energy was very lively and the actors were all game. And uh, so I feel like that would just be a really fun, just yeah. goofy sort of like hipster horror creature feature mm. type movie. Well, on a, well, the birthday party could become a very Weekend and Bernie's kind of fun. Movie. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> it could. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, just like how long can she like keep the husband? She's like, I'm just not, I'm just not ready to. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Yeah, that's I a TV reboot. I'd like to see. I, yeah. I do not have time to Weekend deal with this Bernie's, body. Uh, okay, I'll call my agent. See, <laughs> see, see what the rights, how the rights look. <laughs> Rebecca gets a co-star. Rebecca gets a co-story credit. <laughs> Uh, so and this uh, was the pick of the week. Yeah. So are you giving it a binge? It? I think it's actually, even though it's a pick of the week, because I, I think that it's you know it's notable and it has each one kind of has some interesting ideas. It's more of a consume for me, just because it is extremely uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a consume plus, I think. Uh, consume that's, plus sounds good. Yeah, I get on board with Yeah, that. I would agree. I think because especially because you can watch them in bits. You know, you can yeah. just watch one and then watch yeah. another, and you don't. You know, it's like. Uh, What's it? What am I thinking of? Uh, Black Mirror. I was like, you know, oh, yeah. like, oh, it was yeah. kind of like it was kind of like binging for for little Black Mirrors. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. ever actually do that. I yeah. watch one and I yeah. have to go to sleep. Um, but it is rated R for horror, violence, language, and brief drug use. Movie number two, Jason. Well, actually, and also XX is not only in theaters but also available on iTunes as of right now. Oh, right now. Right now. Right now. Well, as of when you're hearing this, okay. yes. Uh, I see. Yes. Um, as of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Fist Fight, shall we? Fist Fight, movie number two. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> On the last day of the year, mild-mannered high school English teacher Andy Campbell is trying to keep it together amidst senior pranks, a dysfunctional administration, and budget cuts that put jobs on the line. But things go from bad to worse when he accidentally crosses his much tougher and deeply feared colleague, Ron Strickland, who challenges Campbell to an old-fashioned throwdown after school. I am flexing. There's nothing there. Why don't you just take a punch and then just go down? Play dead like possums do, or anything that's like a, like a pussy animal. Campbell! 911, what's your emergency? There's a crazy guy at my high school. He's trying to beat me up. If you have a problem with a bully, I need you to speak to a teacher. I am a teacher. You're a grown man. Now go on and take that ass whooping. <laughs> I have a lot of questions for you, Jason. Oh, okay. That's a lie. Oh. I have one. <laughs> Damn it. I was really looking forward to this movie. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> 
Sounds like you you dug deep for that one. I really did. I've been workshopping it for a minute, but I think I'm pretty happy with where I ended up. What do Um, you think? Well, uh, I think that like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of studio comedies and, and hard R comedies in particular, this one, what good it has to offer is in just the charm and talent and likability of its of its comedic cast. Mm. Charlie Day is is a tremendous, uh, you know, comic resource. And, you know, I love that he, despite being in some, in some ways the weirdest looking member of the Always Sunny cast, <laughs> has, has, un, has emerged as the unlikely movie star. Right. You think That's he's true. the weirdest looking one? Kind of, yeah. Don't you think Dennis is the weirdest? No. No, Dennis and Mac are both like conventionally handsome. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Dennis looks like a total weirdo. He looks like a shark face. I think Den, you know, Den, and the reason that Dennis is always cast in the show in like these like seducer roles is because that actor is like super conventionally handsome. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, he was on Mindy Project, and he was kind of like a, exactly Lothario. Like a, He's like yeah. a Lothario. Yeah. He gives off Lothario vibes, which yeah. is why like they always keep giving him those oh, kinds yeah, of storylines. But Charlie is you know like the weirdest looking dude. I'm not saying that Charlie Day is by any means not a handsome little dude, but yeah, he he's cute. Is, yeah he's super cute. Um, but you know he's. Just yeah, he's the least leading man looking of the three of them, and right. he is somehow mm-hmm. emerged as like the biggest movie star because he has the most personality, I guess. Mm-hmm. And everybody will line up to watch him just blow his top uh, because it's always yeah. it's always a delight. <laughs> and in a movie like Fist Fight, it feels almost sort of tailor made for that exact thing because right. we know that we are going to watch him go on a journey mm-hmm. to gradually blowing his top. Right. Uh, it's a single day movie. Oh. Mm. Yes, so it takes place on the last day of the school year, mm-hmm. and um, and it, it's it, it takes place in this almost sort of like this comedic dystopia of like what public schools have become. Okay, so like the <laughs> so like the kids are all like just feral savages, right. <laughs> um, and the staff are, uh, are have either like completely given up and like walled themselves off, or there's the one exception, which is Ice Cube's character, mm-hmm. um, who is still able to command fear and respect among the students when no one else right. can. Um, but then what happens is that he gets pushed too far by a student's prank and he grabs an ax and takes it to the student's desk. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and then one thing leads to another and Charlie Day happens to be present for it and he tells the principal what happened and then Ice Cube gets fired and then he turns mm-hmm. to Charlie Day and says, I'm going to beat you up after school. Okay. And, um, and Charlie Day's like, that's <laughs> ridiculous. And Ice Cube's like, it's going to happen, and um, <laughs> sounds like a hilariously simple. Yeah, it's a direct. very it's a very simple premise, mm-hmm. and also like a like I think the traditional is like this is a teenager story of like yeah. the bully exactly. is going to beat up the the nerd mm-hmm. after school. Yeah, yeah, and it is very much a bully nerd thing. It's not because yeah. when you look at the cast, because we're so accustomed at this point to sort of like white guy black guy comic duos, mm-hmm. um, but the Ice Cube role, there's nothing. Uh, about the character that is necessarily related to the race of Ice Cube, like it could be right. played by Nick Offerman, right? Uh, just as easily, it's basically mm. so. It's it's more about different forms of masculinity. Um, mm. But that's the thing, though. If you're <laughs> if you're looking for if you're looking for any sort of critique of toxic masculinity, look elsewhere. Um, because this is definitely a movie that buys into those weird brolosophies about like Ooh. fighting as a as the only true form of male bonding, as a rite of passage. That Charlie Day isn't a man until he gets his ass kicked, um, <clears throat> and that every you know sort of sign in his life all around him is telling him like you need to do this, you're a pussy, and um, and so that's sort of like consistently what he hears from everybody in the entire world that he lives in throughout the film. I mean, is that scene as ridiculous? 
in the movie? Uh, no, um, okay. it's not. It's not seen. There's nobody because that's the thing. When he finally does do the thing you think he do from the very beginning, which is call like the police mm-hmm. and be like, "Could I please get an escort?" Because I have a man who's making terroristic threats against my person. Right. He calls nine one one and they laugh him off the phone and tell him to go accept his ass whooping, mm-hmm. as we heard in the clip. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, so that's just sort of like when you get to that moment of like where reality would would impinge. Right. Uh, instead, you just have this like this comic moment, and then he just gets thrust right back into his hellscape. So, you know, the whole movie we were watching him just try to wriggle out of it one way or another mm-hmm. before gradually accepting that it has to happen. Right. And in that way, it's incredibly, it's aggressively unpleasant. Right. Because you've just spent an entire movie in the mindset of somebody who is anticipating being beaten <laughs> into the ground. Right. Which is not a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're just kind of seeing him just trying to figure out what he can possibly do to get out of this. And um, we have some great actors playing uh, the people that are around him during mm-hmm. this. We have... Jillian Bell. My favorite. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask about her. Oh, She's great. She is. She does a lot of the, uh, yeah, she does a lot of the sort of heavy lifting here in terms of uh, bringing the comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays the guidance counselor who is also a morning meth user. <laughs> and, <laughs> and who. Okay, and, I'm going to see it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. Should we go after this? <laughs> it's an early night. She believes deeply that a lot of the most attractive teen boys want to fuck her. <laughs> and she uh, is like, stop looking at me. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> so she's very funny. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. This is his Tracy first movie Morgan. since uh, he's gotten back in the game. Was top five before or after his accident? I can't remember when he shot that. I think it was filmed before. Yeah. 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 So this is... And seeing Tracy Morgan, you're always like so excited, but then it's also very bittersweet because he is still not fully right. the way mm. he was. Mm. And in this movie, he... Um, you definitely get the sense that he is not even remotely trying to use a script. Okay. <laughs> um, like I think he's he's not yet at a point where he's he can do something scripted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that he just mm-hmm. they just like they just like throw him in like an ill fitting like you know gym teacher costume and just have him walk around saying ridiculous things. Mm. I mean, him being the Danish girl was definitely the <laughs> highlight of the 2016 Academy Awards. <laughs> scripted mm. or not, that's true. It was amazing. That's true. Um, so. This- it, Oh, I was going to say, this sounds like what I would call plane movie. Like, just mm. the perfect movie to watch on a plane. Mm. You know, when yeah. you just, like, yes. want to... Like, I just watched um, Mike and Dave New Wedding Games. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, the oh, kind of... Scott watched that on a plane, too. Scott watched that on a plane recently. Like, yeah. like, those kind of movies just, like, go down so easy on a plane. Neighbors, yeah. too. I think I saw yeah. Neighbors, yeah. too. Bad Moms. Well, we, we watched that in a theater, yeah. too, because we reviewed Neighbors, too. Oh, right. Neighbors 1, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, these, like, hard R studio comedies are ideal for mm-hmm. fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really are. Um, and Fist Fight is... And also, is, you're never going to think they're funnier. Oh, yeah. You're, you're like, this right, is right. the best movie you've yeah, ever yeah, seen. The yeah, reason yeah. that to this date, I tell everybody Bad Moms was a masterpiece <laughs> is because I watched on a plane and, and it gave me so much life, I couldn't even <laughs> believe it. I was like, this movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You're like hitting the people next to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, Catherine Hahn's a genius. <laughs> Which, I mean, I say it all times. Uh, in yeah. the air or on the ground. Or at sea, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so, yeah. So, this is, yeah. I think that's very, that's very astute. This is definitely a plane movie. Um, and, uh, and the, but the weird thing though, is that at the end, it kind of thinks of itself as, as like a movie that's doing awareness raising about the state of public schools. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, so like, cause they, like, they are, um, like toward the end, they show like news coverage of this fight that eventually happens. 
and um, and then like the news reporter is saying something about just like you know in the sorry state of public schools today that they have no funding and there's there's lots of sort of uh, lines throughout the movie mm. that um, are meant to be sort of you know this commentary on the public school system. They didn't get any like late breaking Betsy DeVos. Clips. Sadly, <laughs> they did not. Oh. They did not. Um, Sequel. But it does yeah. have yeah, but it does have several crazy white women to represent for her. Uh, Christina Hendricks is also in this movie, oh. um, as is Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. So okay. it's really just like an AMC supporting actor all star <laughs> cast. Uh, Christina Hendricks plays um, just this kind of like this this very vengeful, vindictive knife enthusiast oh. <laughs> who just wants Charlie Day to be murdered. <laughs> And she's really just there to be filmed lovingly walking down high school hallways. <laughs> I, li- I like her in comedies. I've, have you seen uh, Another Period? Another Period, yeah, Chair. She's great in Another Period. Sweet, sweet Chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she and she she's game for shit, too. I mean, her and John Hamm are sort of the unlikely, I guess, mm-hmm. her comedy breakout mm-hmm. stars of, of Mad Men. Yeah. Although him probably a bit and more. And then January Jones is on that. Jan uh, Joe's on Last Man on yeah. Earth. That's true. Oh, right. I guess when you do sort of like Mad Men all that time, you're you gotta, like, I, I need to go do some up. comedies for yeah. a while. Unless you're Elizabeth Moss. Where yeah, you're like, no. This Handmaid's is what I do. Too. Right, exactly. Because mm-hmm. I mean, she was almost playing a comedic character on Mad Men. Right, right. So <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like, I was doing a comedy. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so those guys are all in it and yeah, it's, it's just like, yeah, it's, 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 it would have been nice if somebody at some point had questioned, um, just like all this, this, you know, be a man messaging that Charlie Day's character hears the movie ultimately uplifts and affirms that because the end after the fight, of course, they're like, they're like in each other's corner now. Right. Um, because now they've dealt with each other as men. (laughs) Um, and Charlie Day has been elevated to man status and is no longer uh, an embarrassment to his wife and daughter. Oh. Um, because, and and it's like nocturnal animals. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's exactly, it's nocturnal animals as an uplifting comedy. Oh God. Uh, where he finally (laughs) does defend and even, The wife is a redhead. Oh. It's not Isla Fisher, though. Is it? it is Joanna Garcia Swisher, oh. which is... She's the third one that looks just like that. Mm-hmm. And wow. she's pregnant in the movie. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, that's So, Nocturnal Animals, the comedy. I think we've said everything we need to say. <laughs> I mean, it still sounds like a win. I mean, I feel like the last time we had this kind of, like, ensemble comedy movie was that Office Christmas Party movie, oh, which yeah, was, this like, is, this a... Is better. Kind of a... It seemed like a dumpster this, fire of, yeah, like... This is better. This is this is more focused. It's mm-hmm. not quite as... I mean, that, was, that movie was also very regressive on gender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but this one is just it's just so much more focused. Even though, and that, that was also sort of like a, a, a bottle episode type movie in the sense right. it was just about like the one big party. And right. Um, so yeah, I would say this is more um, this is better than that. But it's it's no masterpiece, but it's a fine plane movie. So you have uh, concerns about how it treats masculinity in men, but how does it treat the women in the movie? Uh, well, you know, uh, like I was saying, Jillian Bell's character gets to have a lot of fun, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's just. She is such a, a a breath of fresh um in everything that she's in. Well, she was also in the Office Christmas Party movie, right? She, she was. Yeah, like she played the, a pimp. Yeah, the like high point of that movie as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean she's a breath of fresh. There's not a lot of other um female actors you can point to to be like, "Oh, well, that's a Jillian Bell type." Mm. She's kind of mm. blazing her oh, own trail. Totally. Um and um you know, and and I don't know that there's anyone you can point to and be like, "Oh yeah, it's kind of like that, kind of like this." No. She is like her own type. Right. Which is amazing. And it's it's new. And, you know, like there's any any comparison that you try to make between her and somebody else would ultimately sound kind of lazy because she is so specific. Right. And um, so she's a lot of fun. Um, Christina Hendricks gets to have a little fun. Joanna Garcia Switcher does have um, 
of the pretty much the classic thankless comedy wife role where she's just always seen on the other end of the phone call um, back at home being like, yeah. honey, what's happening? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Keanu. Yeah. Wife. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, aside from that, it is, but you know, the main characters are men and it's all about masculinity. Mm-hmm. So the women are very much in, in, in supporting roles. What are you going to give this one? Consume moderation. Not so bad. Better than I thought Especially it was. Especially on a plane. Be. Especially on a plane. And a plane, men jet. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than Mike and Dave need wedding dates. <laughs> uh, fist fight is rated R for language throughout. Sexual content, nudity, and drug material. Um, so our next movie, uh, Jason, do you want to give a warning about what, what's uh, what's about to happen? Guys, it's your new favorite thing. Guys, we are bringing back a segment that we have done so far twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's our third time out for Spoil That Shit. Woo! And we're going to do Spoil That Shit, A Cure for Wellness Edition. Do you have a song for that yet? Oh, no. um, do you have anything that immediately just pops uh, to mind? I don't know. I would like to hear an acapella. Just... Spoil, spoil that shit. There. <laughs> All right, there it is. Book it. Print it. I'll save that clip. Done. Um, so yeah, if this movie looked remotely interesting to you, and regardless of what you think Jason thinks, um, you want to see it, you might want to skip this segment. And, uh, and the, the, the rating is going to be send it back. It's going to be send it back. So this is a cure for wellness. A Wall Street stockbroker travels to a remote location in the Swiss Alps to retrieve his company's CEO from an idyllic but mysterious wellness center. He soon suspects that the miraculous treatments are not what they seem. His sanity is tested when he unravels the spa's terrifying secrets and finds himself diagnosed with the same curious illness that keeps all the guests there longing for a cure. You go to Switzerland and bring Mr. Pembroke back to us. What we offer here is a process of purification away from the pressures of the modern world. Your plan is to take Mr. Pembroke back with you. Is that a problem? He's a patient, not a prisoner. You here for the cure? No. Actually, I was just leaving. No one ever leaves. So, George and I were both very much looking forward to seeing this movie, um, yeah. but we're ready to we're ready to give it to us. Give it to us straight. Okay. Um, well, first of all, this movie has been in the news, specifically oh, right. in the fake news. Oh yeah. With one of the more misguided attempts at viral mm-hmm. marketing in uh, in recent history, in which Fox partnered with actual creators of fake news mm-hmm. to God. plant. Um, to, they started their own fake news website um, where they had stories about the storyline within this movie as if they're real, as well as fake news stories about real things. Yeah, uh-huh. so they had said that Trump and Putin went to this spa, that the, the spa that's in the movie, mm-hmm. back in like September together. And right. these, were the, these were the stories. Like they went to the spa together and spent like a weekend at the spa right. together. Like what a, what a crazy story that is. It wasn't true. Right, but then more harmful things like Lady Gaga plans Muslim tribute for Super Bowl halftime show. Wait, that was part of it yeah. as well? yeah. Uh, so how yeah. did that have to do with the movie it, it didn't that's the thing they wanted it to like blend in to be like oh this is all like fake news oh wow yeah so they they it was it was wow and, and just just literally two hours ago before the taping fox formally apologized oh in a nice day before opening uh right. pivot <laughs> uh like our bad oops jk lol uh, they're like viral. We don't know what it means. We're, everyone, yeah. no one knows what it means. Everyone's just trying shit. We right. don't know. We don't know. In the meantime, you've already posted yeah. about that Lady Gaga thing on your Facebook. Right. It's really taken off. 
as a former advertising executive, I yes. think uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little sad for them. Like they probably were like, "This is so great, we're gonna do this, and it's gonna be so original." Yeah, everyone's talking about fake news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're striking while the iron is hot. And you know, nice try, <laughs> but maybe not a great idea. No, no. When yeah. when when something has been identified as the universal scourge of the world, don't maybe think let's make more of that. Unless you make it very clear, you're like yeah, parroting it. Right. Like they Which could have they done not. it in a way where it was like very obvious. Yeah. You know? And just even the fact that they partnered with actual right. fake news mm-hmm. creators yeah. is gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because those guys probably got paid by mm-hmm. them handsomely right. for working with them to yeah. create this copy. But like, and those the, people are horrible people. They should the not be given money. If the wanted like some extra promotion. With that said, we will we anything at all you want us to do that? for your movie. Okay. We will do it. I feel like we'll have finally, like, we'll really have made it when we're, like, real news anchors reading a fake news story inside of a movie. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, when they're, like, <laughs> Anthony Huber's being like, and uh, this just in, King Kong uh, apparently is attacking. Mm-hmm. When we're when we're doing that, yeah. we'll That's be funny. somebody. Yeah. We'll be somebodies. But in the meantime, we're doing this. And we're talking about a cure for wellness. And uh, so, guys, the first thing to know about A Cure for Wellness is that it is two and a half fucking hours long. Mm-hmm. And it is by no means deserving of that runtime. <laughs> and even to think about trying to recount the plot for you guys in the spirit of spoil that shit is overwhelming. Uh, because it is so long and so... Uh, uh, just sort of nonsensical it's obvious and but contrived at the same time it's a movie that so this is a movie that d- does have a good trailer um yeah. you know, the yeah, reason sure you guys want to watch it is primarily the trailer yes mm-hmm. yeah you're not a diehard mm-hmm. Rabinskyite. Uh, uh no so which is what i love in the trailer it says from visionary director gore Verbinski, right who brought you such films as the Ours lone the ranger but with johnny depp as tonto uh, but <laughs> This was a ter- return to horror, which was he did the ring, right? The first one, mm-hmm. right? Which he was did the great. ring, right. right? Sure. Although I mean, like the ring was a good horror movie, yeah. You know, um, a remake, you know. But yeah. uh, so I mean, he, yeah. So there's the ring, um, but I feel like it, the ring is does for me is not enough of a calling card to be just like, oh, he's yeah, one of the, not the vision, you know. And also, I mean, yeah, he made all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Rango, Rango's great, mm. you know. Thumbs up on Rango. You ever see Rango? Is that that animated movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, all right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Gore Verbinski, and he also made Mousetrap. Oh, I've never seen that. Uh, me neither. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, I've heard good things. Um, so now he's made this film, and it has a tremendous trailer that I think most people would watch and think like, oh, I really want to see that. Mm-hmm. I, that's the reason I went and saw it, because I was like, this trailer makes it look like it might actually be really good. Um, but then you start watching it and it is one of those movies where it doesn't really hide anything about itself, um, except for like the actual plot twist that will be revealed later. Like, so we have Dane DeHaan playing this young, this like asshole guy, um, who, you know, as we talked about in the summary, gets sent off to this, like this sort of like, basically like a, a a spa in the Swiss Alps to try to get this guy to come back who's like gone native. And um, and then as he's leaving, there's always foreboding things about, you know, oh, you shouldn't go. I think when he's thinking about his mother, she's like, you'll never come back. And you're like, hmm. yeah, no, that's he's weird. Ne- you're like, yeah, no, he's never going to come back. <laughs> and uh, you're like, well, that's probably true. Um, and uh, and then like he's getting there and there's all these like, you know, ominous visual cues about the mm. place. And it's like, it's a bad place. 
Um, and then you see uh, a young woman like who is very, very clearly a Victorian waif. And you're like, oh, she's probably out of time in some kind of weird ghost-like apparition. Um, yep. Um, and, uh, you know, and then you see that the doctor is played by Jason Patrick. And you're like, or not Jason Patrick, um, Jason Isaac. Mm. And you're like, oh, well, he's a bad guy. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, it's so, it's it just, it's so, so clear from right away that like, even like <laughs> almost laughably. So like he's on this, this train to go up into this, into this, this, uh, establishment into this spa. And, um, and he's sitting there on his like little, like, you know, douchey, you know, laptop, just firing off furious business emails while he's on some business call. And then he looks across the way and there's this little girl sitting in the seat and she's drawing in the fog in the window and she draws a little devil and then like looks at him. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, is this bad? Um, is this an ill-conceived trip? Are things going to go badly? Um, and so, you know, so we get there and it's the movie is very much, um, it's like Shutter Island crossed with The Lobster. Oh, but, I was hoping oh. you were going to say the lobster. But, but, I was just wondering. But, but bad, <laughs> but oh. not good. Like either of those were good. Right. Oh. Um, some people have said like youth. Yeah, Basically, you, you think of like, yeah, yeah, spa movies, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's closer to the lobster than youth because, you know, it's like this kind of thing where you're like, oh, the staff are evil and you don't know mm, and they're right. up to something. And although in the lobster, it spells it out and that's part of the premise. And in this, it's all secret. Um, so Dane DeHaan gets there and he's like abrasive to everybody. And, and he's just like, I'm going to find that guy and make him come home. And, uh, you know, and then he's just kind of, and then just like long, long sequences of him just sort of like ambling around the spa, talking to this young Victorian girl who you're like, clearly she is not a contemporary person. <laughs> clearly she is some Victorian waif who is here through some bizarre trick of time. Right. Um, like, just, and, and like, you know, and he's like not getting it. And you're like just waiting. It's one thing you're just waiting for the protagonist to realize a thing that's so obvious to you as the right. audience. They never talk about pop culture or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. She's not caught up on... Stranger Things. No, no. It doesn't even have Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, He doesn't know. So there are all these, like, you know, weird... And, and yes, visually, it does look great. Um, and, uh, you know, throughout, the whole movie has great visual relish. Um, but, which would be fine if what was happening wasn't so, like, obvious. And it's just, it's not clever, um, it's f- not scary or even creepy because mm. mm. everything is just so like on the nose and so plain and everything sort of announces itself before it happens. Mm. And it's almost like you're being guided by the hand, like through each, each scene, um, being like, okay, here's what's coming up next. So get ready. Okay. Here we are now. <laughs> yeah. Next we're going to have this. Okay. Um, it is, it really undermines, uh, the whole thing, uh, in that sense. So, um, what's the twist? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, so, let's get to the spoiler. I know. Cause okay, this is, it's a struggle. It's, I know. It's a struggle of the movie to even try to it's unpack like, the spoilers. Uh, the movie was long and so is this review. Yeah, exactly. Cause I'm trying to like talk about the movie. And when you talk about the movie, you're talking about fucking how long it is and what happens in it. It is interminable. Uh, <laughs> just like my attempt to summarize it. Um, so, uh, so there's, um, it begins. It becomes clear that they're keeping the people there. That the reason that no one ever leaves the spa is because the spa is somehow making them sick, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and uh, that it is, um, you know, it's it's sort of dehydrating them and keeping them there. And they're all drinking this water. And you know, from the first time you see someone drink water, that the water is the key, and that there's the something about the water. 
Um, and uh, and so, you know, and we're watching that all play out. And Dana Han tries several times to leave and unsuccessfully and always ends up back at the spa. And then um, and then something comes out. This is this this is going to be so much to unpack. I actually just found a website that had the whole thing written out. And I'm going to read to you from that. Okay. Because there is so it's almost like. You'd think it was based on a novel, which it isn't, um, right. because there is so it's so detailed this backstory they try to mm. unpack in this like final act of the movie. Um, so we know that there's this story about like how the spa was founded by these um, this sort of royal family two hundred years ago, and um, and they have bad relationships between the spa and the townspeople. Because the like the baron of this castle of this spa, um, he was in an incestuous relationship with his sister and wanted to create an heir, an offspring, to keep a pure bloodline. And she was infertile, and so he would send for people from the town and like experiment on them mm. um, to uh, to figure out like how to cure her of this. And um, and then eventually, the townspeople revolted, and they went. Uh, up there with torches and everything and they they killed uh the wife but then she had somehow become pregnant and so the baron cut the baby out of her and then he also was burned um but they survived he and this daughter of his and uh and guess what the baron is jason isaac and the girl is that and the girl is the daughter Mm -hmm. And from there, I need to refer to my notes, <laughs> because if you thought that that was uh, uh, complicated, that was so is that like the midpoint you find that out, or it's like... um, no, it's like it's like toward I would say post, mm, probably closing in on third act. Okay. Um. So, uh, so there's lots of eels. You might have noticed in the trailer, lots mm-hmm. of eels. <laughs> so the eel is the thing, as Shakespeare eely. said. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling all eely. <laughs> yes, tub time. <laughs> um, it's always tub time uh, in a cure for wellness. <laughs> um, so, um, <clears throat> and I will add commentary when it occurs to me. The wellness <laughs> retreat is set within the Swiss Alps, surrounded by a special kind of mountain water that keeps these eels alive for 300 years, which Volmer, that's Jason Isaac, discovered via the old medical texts you see in the laboratory. They do, however, need to be fed. So the demented doctor devises a tit-for-tat-style plan. He thieves the eels' life-extending properties and, in return, delivers them the dried-up old corpses of former patients to chew upon. And this becomes Mm. a sort of conveyor belt operation, which works as follows. Patients drink the water, which contains the fibers of these ancient eels, which in turn makes them sick, severely dehydrated, and thus they need to stay at the retreat longer. As their treatments become increasingly invasive and they hit delusional levels, they're placed in tanks and forced to drink water that contains the eels, absorbing their properties via ingestion of the skin. Wait, I'm sorry. So are the people eating the eels or are the eels eating the people? Both. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I just don't know why I didn't understand that. Go on. <laughs> who eats who first? No, okay, never mind. Oh, uh, well, so they're already eels. There were already eels. Um, so, well, there were already eels. Like, so the special kind of mountain water. So that's yeah, the thing. Start from yeah. mountain water. <laughs> Swiss house is surrounded by special mountain water that keeps the eels alive for 300 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to be fed. So um, so he takes the special life-sustaining properties of these eels um, and return delivers them the corpses of the patients. So patients drink oh. the water, which contains the fibers of these ancient eels, which in turn makes them sick. They need to stay treat longer. As their treatments become increasingly invasive and they hit delusional levels, they're placed in tanks and forced to drink water that contains the eels, absorbing their properties via ingestion of the skin. 
These tanks then extract a vitamin, an elixir of life, if you will, which taste of sweat and fish. They <laughs> say that in the movie. What? And it's this vitamin that, taken regularly, has kept Volmer and Hannah, his daughter, alive for so long. Once the patient. Okay, wait, can we just. So this I is think all just to keep for two second. people alive? Yes. In the, so, okay, so the people eat the eels so that they get sick. <laughs> so the people eat the eels! <laughs> and then and the, the people. This is like the worst Bill Cosby commercial. <laughs> You take the eels. And yeah. the- <laughs> you the put the eels, eels in the people. Put, you put, put the people in the eels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and drinks spiked with stuff. It's all too. But then you, then you, so the Don't e- ever drink anything from either this character <laughs> or Bill Cosby. Dangerous times. Accepting drinks is very menacing. So the people are just like a filtration system for the sweet, sweet eel juice that tastes of fish and sweat? <laughs> yes, more or less. And then also from that, they get this elixir of life that's kept the Baron right. and his daughter alive. Wait, that isn't the same potion that tastes like fish and sweat? <laughs> um, this is, um, it is that potion. It is that oh, potion okay, of taste. Okay. Of, of taste of sweat and fish okay. and we see um we see this happening at the very end uh, well toward the end this is one of those in the movies also where you're like oh it's over and they yeah. oh just kidding there's 40 minutes left um where um they take day and put him in one of these tanks and then they shove an enormous hose into his mouth and just like turn on you see like all these like, eels. Is it like an eel yeah and you thing? see like all the water and eels like flying to going down his throat um and then you just see like this like tiny like these little bit of like precipitation like coming out like at the bottom of this tank, like into this little like container to absorb it, and that's the elixir you see. Um, so the so, eels eat you from in, the inside out. It's like they, <laughs> I guess. You see, that's yeah, the thing. I don't like, understand. It's, wait, I know. I so know. wait, you just fill up with eels? Like, it, how many eels can you fit into so, a human and then, body? And then it's sort of like, and then eventually, it like it like sweats you out or something. It's like wait, you're all it like, sweats you out, or like, you, you sweat you, the eel you out. Sweat it out. But it's by, it's by consuming the eels that you are made to sweat. Okay, another question. I, are the eels like the size of like a flea or are they the size of like a snake? Um, The ones that you see kind of like flying into his body are, they look like baby eels. But you definitely see much larger eels involved at times. Um, so it's this vitamin that taken regularly has kept Volmer and Hannah alive for so long. Once the patients have been drained of all their nutrients, they're shoved in a pool for the eels to eat and the whole process starts again. I like the way it's self-sustainable. I feel like it's very very green. green. It is. It is. We can get behind it in that sense. Um, and, but, but why? I feel like there's some place like San Francisco that opened up like that. But also why would people keep going to this place? Well, I think it's like there are people who've been there because it has a no, because no one ever gets out to tell them what's really happening. Right. So, um, so it's just sort of like, oh, it's like in the Swiss Alps, and it's this kind of like it's this, this uh-huh. ob- it's a gorgeous estate, um, and so people just pe- keep getting you know sent to it because it's just it, it stands on its own like any European landmark. You just need to do new marketing. Everyone okay. already knows. Um, uh-huh. And uh, but then another question is, well, why would um, Volmer and keep himself and Hannah alive for so long? Why? Uh, well, uh, Volmer has essentially been grooming his... So at, so at that point, when they had the reveal about the eels and the water and everything, I'm like, okay, surely we're done here. Right. Because I, I was at that point, I was like, I'm not asking myself questions about why this movie is still going. I just want to wrap it up. Right. Um, <laughs> but no. Volmer has essentially been grooming his daughter for the past 200 years, making sure she takes her vitamins regularly in order to bang her, impregnate her, and keep his fascist desire for a pure bloodline alive. And the reason he had to wait so long... He couldn't complete any sorted activities until she started her period. As Hannah what? had been, 
Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> she's Hold aging on. extra slow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Okay. That was the question. Yes. I had. She's a, as as Hannah had been ripped from the womb prematurely. She developed slowly a special case, as she's repeatedly called in the movie. But is he so, getting any older? Um. No. So Volmer had to be patient because she's a special case. So he is taking this thing that keeps him, you know, young forever. Keeps him the age that he is when he started taking it. Uh-huh. And then, but she's... Oh, wait, so it doesn't only really just keep you alive. It keeps you young forever. Yeah, it sort of, like, preserves you. In... But she's allowed to grow older. She slowly. is a lot. Yeah, she's slowly developing. Is she taking less? Um, yeah, he always gives her just, like, a little drop. Uh... Um, so Volmer had to be patient. He even kept a shrine to her mother, his sister, surrounded by candles in his hidden quarters, and kept the incest bed in full working order. Should he need to make a prompt entry? Is that something that you see in the movie? Or is it just part of this? Summary? Oh, you see it. Is an um, incest bed a, a a different kind of bed? Is that a trademark <laughs> term? Is yeah. it like a, a sleep mat? It's like a Swiss thing, right? Bed? Exactly. It's like it has the dial for, set for incest. Yeah. <laughs> like My sleep in, number is incest. It comes in a box. It's delivered mm-hmm. to your home. It's yes. Really. Convenient. Yes, I know they buy a lot of ad space on what's the tea. I know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but then, and then we do have, um, at the end, and I had forgotten this because I completely blocked it out, um, we do have, um, a a fairly gratuitous father-daughter, um, attempted rape Uh. that plays out in the incest bed at the end, um, with lots of toplessness from the daughter, despite the fact that she's supposed to be this, like, underage girl, and, uh, but then Dane DeHaan comes in... Saves the How day. did he get? Wait, didn't was he full of eels? Oh yeah, he was full of eels. This movie has a lot of non sequiturs. Um, right. Where like the, the, there's a scene where he is in probably one of the most like agonizing scenes. There's some there's some dental horror. Oh. Um, uh. There's a scene where he's like strapped into this chair, and then you know like there's this big drills coming toward his teeth, uh. and you think that like it's gonna be like most movies where it kind of cuts away just as soon as it starts to touch. No, oh. it stays on, and you watch the tooth explode. Uh. Um, and so that's happening. And then before... That sounds like a visionary move by director <laughs> Kerminsky. I can't. Uh, I'm someone who has teeth falling out dreams. Oh, God. And, yeah. This don't... Yeah. Another worst. reason not to watch it. Aren't you glad I'm spoiling it for I you? I am so glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then so that scene, the reason I bring it up is so... Um, and there's also... There's this guy who's like a, a sort of like a, a limo driver of sorts who takes patients up, you know, up the hill to the estate. Mm-hmm. And um, and he just happens to be sitting in a car outside. And then Dana Han comes running in and gets in the car, like holding his mouth, like, go, oh, get me out of here, get me out of here. I'm like, but how did you, you were, you were strapped and they were trying to, how are you even, like things like, you, so oh, many questions. How like, how did you escape? manage to get out of this right. chair that you were strapped into with a fucking drill going through your front teeth? And just like, just like, oh, and just like got away from all these guards in these labyrinthine hallways and then mm. managed to just like run to this car. Uh, it, in addition to how did you get it, uh, all those eels out of you? Yeah. And also the eels. Yeah. No, he very randomly, because we see him toward the end and it feels very much like the end of Shutter Island. Right down to the fact that Dane DeHaan has a Leo-ish quality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like the yeah. new Leo for he, sure. Yeah. Um, he's also um, skinny fat. Uh, which was a fun thing that I watched in this movie. It's also very Leo-like. Dane DeHaan is is the new face of skinny fat for Hollywood's young men. Um, because he has um, he has a lot of shirtless scenes in this movie, and I was like, "Girl, are you like doing drag in your free time?" Because he, <laughs> because you have like an Alyssa Edwards uh, oh, back body rolls. back rolls. Uh, so um, no idea yeah, what you're talking. So, about. <laughs> we lost Rebecca, and I'm back again, and you're here. Oh. Um, so uh, and and yeah, he, he we see him like sitting on a bench, like like all dehydrated, staring out to sea, and we're like, "Oh, he's done for." It feels very End of Shutter Island. Um, and then he just like gets his strength back, and then he mm. comes to the rescue. Uh, it is. I'm sure all those dots would be connected in the three hour 
<laughs> right, in the fuller <laughs> version. Cut. If Gorbinsky yeah. had been given his full visionary yeah, yeah. cut of the film, I'm sure it would all make a lot more right. sense. Um, um, but, I mean, uh, this just sounds like it's Big Eel trying to get like, <laughs> visibility, <laughs> n- normalcy. Oh, um, Kale's out, Eel's in. This is... <laughs> Uh, you know, no more unagi for you. Um, <laughs> this is also one of those movies where it tries really hard to be sort of like grotesque with its different visual flourishes. Like it's a movie that has a ton of nudity, right. um, but it's all grotesque nudity. Mm, cool. um, like, you know, it's either like <laughs> right. really old people wandering around naked in the spa. Right. Um, or um, there's this one just ran- this, this scene sort of like tells you the whole movie in a nutshell. There's that scene they show in the trailer where he's in the tank. Dane DeHaan is immersed in the tank, mm-hmm. and then all the eels come in. And um, and there's a guy who's in the room with him who's supposed to be monitoring him. And then this nurse comes in, um, just out of the blue. And she, like, stands between the monitoring guy and Dane DeHaan. And she starts to, like, unbutton her top. Aww. And you're like, oh, we're going to have titties. And then she reveals, like... The ugliest titties I've ever seen in a movie, and I'm like, she was cast for her tits. This is weird. It's so weird. This poor actress is being called upon because they want to have this visual aesthetic of things that are like not like not pleasant to look at, and so she stands there with her like tits out, and then the guy starts jacking off at the desk, looking at her tits, um, and that's why he's distracted while Dane DeHaan is being swarmed by eels in the tank. Wait, what do you define as ugliest titty? Like, what are ugly titties? You'll know to you? when you see them. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's, they're, they're, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of how Bridget Everett would define them. They're, they're sort of like flapjack titties, and they're all nipple. Okay. Do, do you think that, uh, like, they, they had a thing where it's like once the eels go in the tank, it's like their thing that they like <laughs> comes over. It's like, yeah. oh, we have a six o'clocker coming in. Exactly. Make sure they're so uh, coming at six o five. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it could be a standing arrangement. They never really revisit that. We never see those characters again. Oh, um, but uh, but yeah, so he just kind of like jacks off, and then they kind of just like you know, and then Dane DeHaan, the damage has been done, and he's been swarmed by those eels. But he's so okay. once again, it's but like he somehow gets animals. out of it. Yeah, and you, <laughs> everything ties back <laughs> everything. to that tonight. Yeah, um, and and that's also a time where you're like, oh, it had, like he has died. Like he literally like dies in that scene. Well, he does. That's another weird thing. Like he literally does drown <laughs> in that scene. Like, you know, like he's trying to, you know, he's he's in there, he's knocking on the wall, he's knocking yeah. on the ceiling, trying to get out. No one, you can't hear a thing outside of it. And then you, like, see him drown. You see, like, him just, like, and then just, like, sink down into the tank. And you're like, oh, he died. And then, like, two seconds later, um, you know, like, the top is rolled off, and he's, like, coming out, like, all mad. He's like, oh, Kyle, where the fuck were you? It's like, but you died! <laughs> uh, it's It's so nonsensical. Um, and as I mentioned, so incredibly overwrought in plot um, that all those things, all those things that took me so much time to read are all like thrown at you in the last like 35 minutes of the movie. Um, it is it is absurd. I still want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on a plane. <laughs> yeah, <maybs> oh, my God. It have to be like a 17 hour flight to Tokyo yeah. and watch yeah. it like four times. <laughs> I mean, it does feel there is something vaguely Japanese about it. Mm. So, that would, so that would be appropriate. Everyone's like, mm-hmm, yes, we're on the same page about this. Uh, send it back. Right? Yeah, send it back. Okay. Uh, this is this is this is so. If it was if it was like an hour forty, then maybe be like, oh yeah, it's like just a fun little genre movie. Right. But it is there's there is no forgiveness for this movie's right. length. Mm-hmm. Um, no forgiveness. I said forgiveness, which is not a word. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was gonna go. say, I was like, oh. I- I don't know that word. Yeah, <laughs> I like no it. forgiveness. 
<laughs> that's the new the new Senate back is no forgiveness. This movie has broken you. It has. I have nothing left. It's rated R for eels. <laughs> Sexual eels. Graphic eels, language. Violent eels. Assault and disturbing content. Eel rape. Um but it's is there, eel, but is the is people there eel rape? I feel like there has to be at one at least at one oh. point. There is lots of eels doing penetration of various cavities. And then do the people also rape the eels? No, the people mm. rape the eels that are raping the people. Um, it's very cyclical. It is. It it's is. It's probably it's probably just it's really wise these. on a level that I'm probably just not grasping because I never do. Um, yeah, I but, can't wait to read the article tomorrow. That's like a cure for wellness is a genius something, and then I'll yeah. send it to you, and be like, ah, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reviews are already in, and they are not good. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. we I did have a request from our listener, uh, our listener Jessalyn, asked us to rank the best picture nominees in order. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I haven't seen all of them, so which ones haven't you seen? I have not seen Lion yet. I have yeah, not same. seen Hell or High Water yet. Okay. Someone has my screener. Okay. Bastard. Um, so let's go over what they are quickly. Yes. Uh, Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea. Did I miss any? No, I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge either. Okay. Neither did I. We're just on the same page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are simpatico. Like war. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Like um, war westerns. And line is just like I'm lazy and I didn't get a screener yet. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they didn't send out discs for that oh, one. Moonlight. I think. Oh, Moonlight. Oh, you didn't read Moonlight? I didn't read oh. Moonlight. Oh, yeah. That one, too. Yeah. Uh, who wants to start? I mean, or I could, I could, I could, since I have seen them all, I could throw mine out and you yeah. guys can just disagree where, uh, where you see fit. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So number one, Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, number two, La La Land. Of course. Number three, um, Manny by the CEO. <laughs> mm. Wait, Hidden Figures is nominated? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, hold on. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, number three, Manny by the CEO. You're giving Manny by the CEO over Arrival? Arrival's my number four. I am surprised. Uh, Hidden Figures, number five. Um... And I think those are like, I think because I was trying to go over this with Scott the other night and I was like, those are the five that I feel the most strongly mm-hmm. about. Everything else is kind of like a, hmm. Yeah, um, top five makes sense, Yeah, so from that point, you know. Do you want to? Uh, wanna... Yeah, top five, yeah, sure. Yeah, nice my, to see I them all. do my top five. Okay. Well, number one is 20th century women. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Cheers. <laughs> mm, number two is that. Zootopia. <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually. I, I put a lot of animated movies in my top, for sure. But of these, I would do, um, I think my number one is Arrival. Um. Then I'd probably do Moonlight. Then I think Hidden Figures. Then La La Land. And then what else is there? And then Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. So were those right. the same? Were those the same five that I had? Same five. Just same different five. order. Same five, just yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, you didn't the have Hidden Figures, parts. did you? No, I had a tape. That was my number five. Oh, okay. Uh, so I would go. Oh, you're, you're not gonna like this. Um, <laughs> I would go Moonlight. Uh, La La Land, um, Fences, and um, ooh, tough one. Manny by the Sea or Hidden Figures? Hmm, that's tough. It is tough. Um, but I am principled. Hidden Figures. <laughs> which which one from R five did you bump out to make room for Fences? Uh, Arrival maybe. 
No. La La Land, I think. Did you, did no, you, La La Land La La? was number two. Oh, okay. So you had Moonlight, Moonlight, La La, 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 La Land, Land, Fences. Oh, it was Arrival. Oh, it was Arrival. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I thought you had that in there. Boo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you suck. Poor <laughs> um, Amy. <laughs> yeah, hasn't she been through enough? I do think it's suspicious that ABC.com had her name on the website. Mm. And then like, oh, just kidding. Um, well, it's, it's Ruth Nega. She was so, I mean, mm. yeah, like I just, she was for me like, obviously going to be oh. the third the third one like yeah, yeah yeah she should have been yeah she should have been number three yeah. um it's 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 a grievous oversight well annette benning should have been number one but anyway <laughs> yes absolutely well um you know and i'm glad i was glad to hear because i wasn't sure where you fall on the la la land spectrum uh, I... because obviously it's a, it's a hot topic mm. and it continues like, to be a hot topic i liked it i i mean i you know and i just think like guys like they never made the movie thinking like let's take down Moonlight, you know? Like, that's not how it works. Like, they're not, like, trying out to, you know, this, they're just movies that came out together in the same right. year. exactly. And, like, just, it's, it's relax. A... And, like, hearing Barry Jenkins, like, when mm-hmm. you interviewed him, and he's like, right. me and Damien are friends. Like, relax. Everybody yeah. take a chill pill. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. They they are obviously doing so much better with Moonlight than they ever could oh, yeah. possibly imagine. I mean, it's a little movie that could. Yeah, totally. So. I mean, it was on like no one's radar. No. Um, and uh, and then it just started to screen for critics at festivals and then it just took off from there. But yeah, it's just, it's so, there's, I feel like there's just basically no, there's no criticism of La La Land I think is is, is especially valid. And those Wow, who have, and that those, is a bold I really don't think there same. is. Like, I don't think, like, I don't think that the racial critiques of it are valid. I don't think the musical critiques of it are valid. I don't think the acting critiques of it are valid. Like, I, I think that it's all, uh, I just think it's really uh, just just this sort of, you know, I don't know, this, this stor- storm going on. I think the white guy jazz stuff, like, is a little bit, like, like white guy savior of jazz. Well, but I don't That's think, bit... he's not the savior of jazz, though, in the yeah. movie. He's just, he's just, he's just like a white jazz nerd who opens a jazz club. He doesn't yeah. save jazz. I know, but like, yeah. He opens a jazz club. And John Legend's character, I know, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's apparently a cultural critic now, mm-hmm. um, you know, wrote where he was like, oh, the black sellout. But I don't think John Legend's character is meant to be a sellout. He's playing popular music. No, yeah. You know, like, he's just a savvy music business I guy. I like his music better than... That's <laughs> 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 out of City of Stars, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that the movie makes John Legend uh, any kind... He's not a villain, I think he just has a more contemporary understanding of the musical scene, but like the white guy has his head in the sand and it's just like, no, I am a traditionalist and I'm going to make, I'm going to go to a little jazz club. It's like, it's not a white, he, he's not, he's not, see, and when he talks about the greats, he only talks about, you know, he hasn't mentioned like Chet Baker, mm. you know, he only talks about, he's like, oh, Miles Davis and, and John Coltrane and, you know, so it's like he, he reveres black jazz musicians and, you know, he's just a white jazz nerd. Like, have we not known white jazz nerds in our lives? Like, they're will, all over the place. I will say the uh, one other thing I have about <laughs> one other it, beef I had, minor mm-hmm. beef, was in that ending beautiful montage, yeah. which mm-hmm. is gorgeous and really well done. Mm-hmm. It's like I would have preferred it if like the fantasy version of what them together was neither got their dream. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. she got her dream. She got mm-hmm. everything in that mm-hmm. in that fantasy. Yeah. You know? And like But not him. It made more sense I mean, in the fantasy she did. You know, oh, like right. the fantasy oh, in the, oh, I see. In the oh. what could have been fantasy. Oh, right. and the what could have been right. She got she got everything. And oh, he, so you're saying that so like, if they had, had gotten each other but not they It makes more their... sense. It's like she was like, I'm not going to Paris. I'm not taking this role. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay with you. They got to be together, but she didn't get, you know, she, they, they got each other, but they didn't get what they wanted out of like their dreams, you know? Mm-hmm. And But instead it was more of like a, she gets everything and then one version and then she gets only 
you know her other life you know right but yeah. that was my one thing of like i thought that mm-hmm. would be, yeah yeah that's interesting yeah i guess it didn't you know to me it just seemed like she was just imagining everything happened for her but if she had stayed with you know sebastian instead yeah. of hooking up with tom everett scott but they could have just gone <laughs> like back, you do they could have just gotten back together when she came back from paris right they could have yeah. they could have i know they could just kind of and there's one scene that a friend of mine pointed out that does when i watch it does stick out like a weird additional sore thumb the scene after her audition where her and sebastian sit on that bench Oh, up yeah. on the by the observatory. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it just—it feels like such a good, it's such a weird beat, right? Where it doesn't really fit in. It's almost like they needed to like decide after the fact that like, well, we need to revisit Mia and Sebastian together one last time to see like where they're at, and you kind of see them start to like be you know uh, magnanimous with one another yeah. about like you do you girl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh you know so that's not as much of a blind side that they end up not together because we've just seen him make this huge heroic overture to like go and get her and drive her yeah. back and da, da 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 did you notice that on the fifth time seeing it or the it was around it was actually like every time that i watch the movie when they get to that scene i'm always like oh this scene just doesn't do anything for me at all mm-hmm. but then a friend of mine was like pointing that out he picked up on it as well and i was like yeah that does, that does feel i think people would have just been like what it, it, it needed something, some transition. You yeah, know, if I'm yeah. like kind of them kind of being like, we're not going to be together, audience. So mm-hmm. like you explain mm-hmm. yeah. that, you know, yeah, where it goes. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, but uh, with that said, I'm definitely excited to stop talking about La La Land. Yeah, yeah. after the Academy Awards, it'll win, it'll I lose, know. and then we can talk about other things. Other things. That's that's like has it always been this way in terms of just being like yeah. by the end of award season, you are so fucking sick of every right. single movie you've been talking about for the last six months, <laughs> and you're like, I never want to hear about it again. You also do a movie podcast, right? Yes, that's true. So that's that true. might be a unique experience. But I, but I think like people are comparing them, but like. Uh, Adele winning over Beyonce was way more egregious than yes. La La Land potentially winning over Moonlight, which yes. probably will happen. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I agree. It was more <laughs> egregious, and I hate this sort of David and Goliath narrative that's been set up between yeah. the two of them. But um, I mean, they, they, I mean, Adele obviously was like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't think La La Land are going to be like this. Clearly, belonged to Moonlight. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll know in a, a little over a week uh, how it all shakes out. Are you and going to live tweet? Are you going? Do we have another show before? We then? do another show before another then. Show. Yeah, we'll be back next week uh, with our maybe our final Oscar picks. Uh, no, then we're not changing them again. What? We've already settled on our Oscar picks. What? Oh no, not to rank them. I mean, like oh, who's going to win? win. Oh, I see. Oh, for like do for your thing. office pools. Oh, that's fun. How did you do last year? You gave we did. Yeah, I think I think I think we like posted something on uh, on the Facebook group to be like, here's, yeah, let's here's, do that. Yeah, that's sure. not a group. The Facebook. I always, group. I always <laughs> like a like a will win should win because it's oh, like yeah. always oh, so different. Nice. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, will win should win. I think is because it then because yeah. that way it, it, it clears up the place in your mind where you want you're rooting for something so much yeah. and then you're just mm-hmm. like okay I'll just put it in the should yeah. win. Because sometimes like, when I'm doing it on, at a party, I'm like I'm just gonna do this because I want to root for this person exactly. even though I know I'm gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to yeah. root for. You know, I, I think I put. Uh, um, I put Mad Max on it. Like, I was oh. just like, I was just like, why not? Like, in a just world. I would be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the best actress this year. I'm getting confused because I'm like, wanting, I'm wanting, I'm still badly wanting to believe that Isabella Pair could pull it out. Mm. Um, but no. it seems like all signs are still pointing to Emma Stone. Mm. Even though I feel like no one is that super jazzed about that performance. Yeah. But somehow she's like, but when I first watched it last September, I was like, whoop, she's going to, like, I think her yeah. second scene, mm. I was like, oh, she's going to win. <laughs> I said that out loud in the theater. Did you? Yeah, you're that guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I definitely like the should win, will win yeah. idea. Yeah. We should do yeah, that. Yeah, we, we should. steal we... that from, from him. 
Yes, well, we're going to I, mean, I stole from. I'm very, very Just take credit for the idea, George. George invented Will and Should Win, and we are stealing yeah, it no, from him. Trademark. George, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This has been a dream. This Yay. has been a dream for us as well. Um, be sure to um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason's been on the Facebooks. Yes, posting things. We're trying to make the Facebook place more of a place for Facebooks. And you would just find that by going to. Uh, just go to on, go on Facebook and search for the Binge Movie Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like you Facebook, probably get a URL. Facebook.com slash the binge, I think. That could be it. Could be it. That could be it. Um, I mean, just search for things on Facebook. Everyone knows how to do that. Come on. Either way, you'll post it on Twitter where you are posting as Excess Baggage. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There goes the binge. binge.